Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Okay, so um, we want to explore with you tonight um, the topic of looking at your life through a Dharma lens. One of the perks about being in the seat up here or uh, on retreat and giving talks, giving Dharma talks, talks about the teachings, talks about uh, living a conscious life. Um, One of the pluses is that because you're constantly looking for new material, um, you got to find it somewhere. What to talk about? You can only use say the lists so many times, there's lots of lists, um, but also you want to uh, often not just, um, not just repeat rote lists, as inspiring and profound as they are, but to see how you can apply all these beautiful teachings to one's life. And so, because you're because being in the seat one is looking for something fresh to say, um, one of the uh, the benefits is that um, the material is usually what's going on in my life right now. Not so much that you can you know be autobiographical and uh, say, okay, this is, this is your life, James Barras, um, and uh, just, uh, just continually talk about, well, I did this, I did that. But really, what am I learning? What's up for me? How, is, how am I growing? How am I stretching myself? How do I get caught? How do I... Uh, see through getting caught to a place of greater understanding. And so when I give a talk, um, I'm looking at my, my life during the week, seeing what am I learning here? It's not only so I could give a Dharma talk, uh, but that is a big incentive, I, I must confess. Um, But it's also because after a while, it's really rich and makes makes the teachings come alive to see how can they be applied and how can I learn, how can I grow uh, with these teachings so it's not just concepts. Mm. A lot of times uh, 
when people get into the practice, they uh, they might say, um, well, uh, how can I fit my practice into my life? I've got such a busy life, and now I'm getting into this meditation stuff and, and learning about these teachings. You know, is there room for it? How can I somehow fit it in? But this is a kind of misunderstanding because once you get inspired by the possibility of continually waking up, whatever you're going through is seen in this way. It's not so much how can I fit my practice into my life. It's more how is my life held in the context of practice. So you're not fitting your practice into your life. You're fitting your life into your practice. You're holding your life in the context of practice. And that is a, is a very powerful shift. Because then, instead of being caught in your drama all the time, you know, oh, I can't believe this happened to me now, and how do I have to deal with this? It's more, there's a part of, of you that's observing, inquiring, exploring, investigating. There's an awareness that's checking it out so that there can be a perspective that's beyond just my personal drama. What principles about how the mind works and how the heart works and how the body works, um, can I use this drama called my life uh, to to keep on growing? Because whatever the the content of your life is going to be continually changing, but the principles of how the mind gets stuck and how the mind can be free and the heart can be free are um, the deeper you you understand those principles, the more they can be applied to to everything. I'm, I'm just thinking right now of a Mark Twain, uh, no, not Mark Twain, Oliver Wendell Holmes quote, who said, he says, um, a mind stretched by a new idea does not shrink back to its original dimensions. So as you grow more and more and your consciousness grows, expands, and your heart hopefully does too, then whatever is happening is held in that context. Um, I have a, a, a group that I meet with that I've met with for, oh, 10 or 12 years now um, uh, from uh, dedicated practitioner program graduates. And we meet uh, these days, oh, usually about once every two months or so. And we know each other quite well. And as we we go around and with our check-ins, three-minute check-in, um, we each say not just what I'm, uh, what's going on in my life, but how am I growing? What am I learning? How am I growing? And it makes for rich, very rich um, sharing. So what we thought we'd do uh, is share a little bit uh, each and Kate's been away for quite some time, so um, she'll ha- she'll um, uh, go first and, have, and and talk as long as it feels right. Uh, not just what she's doing, but how she's growing and what she's learning, and 
and then I'll share a little bit, and then we want to invite you uh, to do the same. Look at your life through that lens. So, um, why don't you start? Okay. Uh, It has been a long time, so it's hard to know where to start, really. But last time I was here, I shared that I was going on a bit of an adventure with my my husband and my one-year-old son. Uh, We both have lived, well, the three of us have lived on uh, a sailboat for uh, a while now here in the Bay Area. It's been a lifestyle choice for us. Uh, we're somewhat minimalists and, um, and definitely living in a way that we feel uh, lessens our, our carbon footprint on the earth. And so there's been a, a lot of conscious thought in the way that we live. Um, but part of being on this sailboat um, certainly got us thinking, what would it be like to sail out the Golden Gate Bridge and turn left? <laughs> So we did. <laughs> uh, so last August, and this wasn't just spontaneous, this was after a lot of thought and care and planning, uh, but we did, I think it was, I believe it was August 18th, um, we took off at about four in the morning, and um, we had a, uh, some crew with us and went down first to uh, Santa Cruz Island, then Catalina Island, then uh, San Diego, where we met up with uh, a huge uh, rally of sailboats that meets up every year called the Baja Ha Ha. And uh, it was about 100 and I think it was 167 boats this year. And we all headed down uh, the Baja coast to Cabo together, stopping along the way. But um, And then from there, uh, my family and I continued and are now... We, I, when I came up here for this visit, uh, I came from La Paz, which is just kind of around the corner, um, still on the peninsula there. But in the Sea of Cortez, um, the boat is now uh, in the mainland. My husband's been there and did a bit of sailing while I was here. So we'll join him in Puerto Vallarta. Um, so that's kind of the map of what we've, where we've been. But the what we've what we've been doing uh, is is vast. <laughs> it seems like our days have been really full, and the experiences have been really full. Uh, but in short, just to give you a taste of what this life has been like um, for the f- past several months, um, it's been everything. You know, I've been I've been telling people the highs are really high and the lows are really low. You know. <coughs> Uh, there's just no distraction. There's just no real distraction. Uh, we are um, often out for several days at a time, doing overnights and all that. Um, there's no TV, there's no internet, there's no cell service. Um, you can read, but uh, it depends on your stomach constitution <laughs> in the moment. I don't do a lot of reading. Um, it's mostly uh, sailing, being being out in the nature that is that is there in, in the Pacific. 
uh, which is quite incredible. We saw a lot of whales and big pods of dolphins and sea lions and all sorts of fun little creatures. Sun, we saw sunfish and different types of rays and big schools of big fish. and um, Just really incredible. Uh, spent a lot of time just being with my son, who's now a year and a half, uh, and just calls for presents <laughs> all the time. Uh, and so there just wasn't a whole lot of distraction. And so one of the things I noticed... Uh, coming back. So I came back about two two weeks ago. In fact, uh, I think I believe it was in a conversation with with Betsy Rose, who was here last week. She was asking me, "What is it like to be back?" And I couldn't in- immediately come up with words, but I said, "It's um, there is something about it. There's something striking about being back." And as we talked a little bit, uh, the best I could come up with was. It's just really cluttered here. <laughs> it's just really cluttered. There's just, there's so much distraction. There's clutter outside of ourselves, but then it just feeds this internal clutter. And um, it's hard to be present. It's really hard to stay clear with all of that. You know, we're, we're engaging in this practice, and for those of you who've been doing this for a little while... Um, know that it, it's pretty. This is kind of radical what we're doing uh, in in relationship to what maybe the rest of the world is doing, or at least what's going on in this country right now, and and just our culture as a whole. Um, it's really different what we're doing. So we're. I just noticed that there's we're really up against a lot to stay present to stay here. And the other thing that I noticed, being being on the ocean in this way, and being in nature in this way, which I I know some of you spend a lot of time in nature, just really out in wild nature. And this is wild nature that that I'm in. And uh, there can be this idea of what that's like that's very romantic. But the reality is that it it comes with everything, that it's actually quite gritty. There's a grittiness to nature. And when you are in it, when you're really uh, taking some time to be present in that nature, it brings up very easily this kind of a mirror of our own grittiness, of our own nature. We are a part of that nature. And so uh, there's... In those incredible ups where there's the, the feeling of connection and joy and happiness and dolphins and <laughs> uh, uh, sun and warmth and warm seawater that you can jump in. Uh, sweet moments with um, my family that uh, just creating these incredible memories of togetherness. And then there's the opposite of that, <laughs> the days where we've had a few seasick days where I get thrown up on, I've thrown up on others, it's, <laughs> it's awful, and we've got eight hours to go before we hit land. So, um, you know, days where uh, the chop is just, and the, the wind is low, and it, the sea is really choppy, it's uncomfortable, 
days where it's kind of lonely, kind of boring sometimes. And there's just no, there's no distraction from that. I just get to be with it. And it's something, like James was saying, I've been reflecting on a lot through the lens of the Dharma. Just what does that mean? And and, uh, how important is it that I'm seeing my life in this way at this point in time? And it actually feels really important and was a, a message I feel like I'm wanting to bring out a little bit more uh, through teaching. It's just the importance of that grittiness that, you know, it's, it's really easy for us to come and, and, and sit and want to pad our experience, to pad uh, the dukkha, the discomfort, the, the achy body, the sleepiness, uh, the restless mind. We want to find ways to make it feel better to make the moment feel better. I think right now uh, maybe our, our whole nation is maybe entitled to a few more moments of feeling better. Um, so it's very understandable. But uh, at the same time, I think a big part of what this practice is is actually turning towards and being with that grittiness, being with the discomfort, staying with a mind that doesn't want to stay, and being kind to it, finding ways to really relax into it and be as present as possible, not only with the, those amazing blissful moments that feel so good, we can spend a lot of time chasing those moments. That's only half of our nature. It's only half of of being alive. The other half really is coming in contact with this body, this mind, in this moment. What's really being offered and what does it have to teach me about being alive? And so the more we can become comfortable with that, actually what I'm finding is, and I know we all have had tastes of this, when we can relax in that, um, the joy is so much more available. Uh, we're so much more present and wowed by life and humbled by it in a way that actually makes us feel connected rather than separated. That becomes available. A sweet layer of contentment uh, can be there. With, yeah, this is, what, this is it. This is, hmm, this is what life has to offer in this moment instead of trying to chase down something else or spend all that energy trying to get rid of what's really here, getting into fix-it mode, i got to figure this out. But rather just, oh, wow, this is my life in this moment. This is life being known in this moment. It's such an incredible thing, and we, we miss it. We miss so much when we try to pad out or or ignore, or work around that grittiness. So I'm just aware of... of I, I have more I could really share, but I just want to give time to you and also time for our group to, to, to connect around it. Really? Okay. Um, 
I think maybe one one other little piece, and then I'll stop. Then, um, and that is, you know, everything that I'm talking about. The being uh, the experience of this, uh, we've had to do a lot of renunciation. There's this thread of renunciation that seems to go through this whole experience. It seems really clear to me how everything I just said is very much connected with renunciation. Um, you know, it's not just the the creature comforts that we've uh, we are without some of it. There's there's actually the boat's pretty comfortable, but there's aspects of just uh, the things that we used to have that were just so convenient. All of our conveniences are gone. To go grocery shopping is quite a feat. <laughs> to find food is like a whole day's activity. To wash laundry, do laundry is a whole other thing. They have to take separate days <laughs> to get those things done. Um, yeah, the the a lot of the conveniences are gone. Um, and so we have to take time uh, in ways that we didn't when we were here. Uh, and so renouncing these, some of these comforts, renouncing the, renouncing the things that um, kept us really in this um, almost like a, a pattern of comfort, Kind of like we didn't go that far out of it. For some people, this would be the most terrifying and uncomfortable. I'm so sorry you're doing this <laughs> lifestyle. Um, for me, I just see it as um, I see it as a privilege. Uh, it is quite a privilege to be able to leave um, uh, and do this. To take time off of work. To take time with my family. Um, to take time out of that clutter in so many ways, so many aspects of just kind of clearing that. Um, It's an incredible privilege. And this renunciation of living really simply and really present with everything, um, it's very much tied into that lack of, of, uh, it's almost like this frequency um, you know, if you're you're changing the dial on your on your radio in your car, and you're finding trying to find that really clear station when you're way out, maybe uh, you're you're headed up to Chico or Sacramento or something like that, and you get to those dead zones, and you're trying to find a really good station. It's kind of like that that messy frequency. Uh, it's just nothing's really coming in clear, and then all of a sudden landing on something that's that's uh, understandable and available. I don't know, it has that feel. I don't know if that's a very good example, but it's just how it feels, I guess. And renouncing, renouncing our, our, some of our um, padding that we use in our daily life that we think we really need. Our sense of self is really tied into it, and we feel like we really need it our little bubbles of community that we stay in to stay comfortable, um, our bubbles of thought that we stay in to stay comfortable and have a really good sense of ourself. Uh, there's something about going outside of that and renouncing these bits of ourselves that, that make us feel 
like we can we can pad the world a little bit more. Something about that um, that I'm just noticing right now. So I hope that's clear. Um, and then, yeah, why don't you share a bit of uh, about what you've been noticing, and then we can get people to share together. So, um, as uh, if you've been coming here for uh, for a while, uh, you know I've been away for a lot of the last. Um, really, since in the summer I was away for two months, uh, traveling and teaching in uh, in Europe mostly, and then I came back for a few weeks, um, and then uh, was teaching six weeks at the uh, three-month course, the first half of the three-month course at, uh, in Massachusetts Insight Meditation Society, uh, followed by immediately by two other uh, weeks, uh, two other retreats, and a few weeks in between. And then uh, Kate and and I just uh, taught a, ret- a week-long retreat at uh, Spirit Rock with Anam Tupton Rinpoche, uh, which was really great. And it's all been really great. It's been a lot, but it's and it's been a lot of really great, but a lot of really great. And um, and all I could do is just kind of um, be where I am because you know if I think about oh the emails that are piling up, which never stop. Even if I wasn't away traveling, they'd never stop. But uh, there's all these things to do, and um, and all I all I could do is to, all, all I wanted to do was just to to be where I was, and to um, it's such an amazing, privileged thing to support people in their own intensive practice. Uh, it's it's kind of it's hard to explain. Somebody comes in so open, so vulnerable, so sincere. Uh, comes in with their insights and with their demons and with their um, rich wisdom that's inside and the love that's inside, uh, as well as the fears and all of that, and. Um, so I keep on seeing just how powerful the Dharma is and how it works and how a little bit of guidance, a little bit of support um, helps somebody get in touch with something really beautiful inside and uh, particularly tuning into the connection that we experience, that humans experience with each other and that in that supportive condition, uh, we thrive and we can hold all the the hard stuff inside and find that we have a capacity to do that. But there's something really powerful about um, feeling that somebody is there for you and believes in you and can see something in you. And so I've been uh, I've been tuning into how the human heart is touched by other human hearts. Um, 
that's one one way I that I that I put it and how and how living in a or being in a supportive environment a dharma environment just brings out the best in in people and and then they go out and become agents of consciousness themselves so that's one thing just being in that mode of um a lot of retreat um uh, experience and just feeling the power of of the dharma and the the other thing that i'll mention is um a, a particular practice that i've been working with in the last few um oh three or four weeks uh, and i forget if i mentioned it here the last uh last time i was here i was here uh, the week before thanksgiving did i talk about the lazy man's guide did i say it no uh, well there was a book um if you're old enough to remember if you grew up in in the 60s there was a, an amazing book called the lazy man's guide to enlightenment <clears throat> how many people are familiar with that book a few hands coming up it was his bible yeah by Thaddeus Golis very thin book of course because it's the lazy man's guide to enlightenment which really hooked me okay lazy man's guide i think i like that it's it's quite brilliant and I, and it crossed my mind uh, a couple of uh, last month I said, god that was such a cool book and it was kind of it named what i was kind of exploring in my own in my own mind because the basic treatise of it is that we are uh beings of energy and we are um we can be con- contracted beings which makes us dense f- uh fear contracts agitation contracts all the what are called unwholesome states of uh mental states mind states in the teachings uh anger uh greed fear jealousy all of those things are contracting states and that that's when our being of energy gets tight and very dense physically and and mentally emotionally and we it's hard for us to be in the same space as others letting others really into our space and we also have the capacity to be expansive beings where there's uh the mind isn't contracted and the heart opens and we experience the wholesome states of love and compassion and uh generosity and all the beautiful wholesome states of of the heart and the mind um and those expansive states in that when you're in that space it's easy to be in other people's space there's a kind of sense of the boundaries dissolve and there's a sense of real just interconnectedness with the rest of life and openness and ease and this is something i've been exploring for quite some time it's one of the basic principles of of the awakening joy course that i teach uh but i remembered that book and it's amazing the magic of just saying oh 
I wonder if that book is around and just, you know, boom, there it is. And reading those words that had such a deep impact on me 45, 50 years ago. Um, and, um, and it just really touched me again, just aw- awakened that whole perspective. And what I've been looking at in my own life in these last few weeks is particularly at this lens, through this lens of expansion and contraction. And one of the principles that I, I, I like to teach is that when you're contracted, if there's, when you become aware of the contraction, there's an expansion in right away because the ex, the awareness holds and expands. That's how mindfulness works, and that there's a choice when you realize it to either stay contracted, which will perpetuate as long as you're telling yourself those stories, or to um, to open up and see. Oh, how can I get a little bit more space around what's going on in here? both within myself and also around others. So I've been, um, this has been my practice in a, in a very um, rich way these last few weeks. And of course, you know, if you're fortunate to be in a relationship with a, a partner who also likes to grow, and Jane has uh, mentioned she teaches mindful self-compassion. She's been doing retreats and practice for 40 plus years as well. Uh, and I said, hey, this, just listen to this. And I read a little bit about her, uh, about it with her. And so we've kind of taken on this mutual exploration, not just within ourselves, but when we see one or the other getting contracted, we just kind of remind each other in as much as loving a way as we can, hey, there's another Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. That, that. And all you need is a little bit. It's not like you've got to open up your heart and blast when you're feeling contracted. That's too much. That's unrealistic. But just a little bit of softening and opening that channel of expansion. And then you pay attention and notice how good it feels uh, when you've got somebody helping keep on track, uh, it's that much more fun. So this is what we've been looking at. And um, it's just, you go through the ups and downs of life, like Kate was saying, you know, life is always happening. And so one moment it's, you know, wow. And it's, oh, and you read the news, it's, oh, like, and, uh, oh. And so to to navigate through that and just see, I can't change everything that's going on out there, but I can just notice this sense of spaciousness and hold my pain and hold my fear and hold my contraction and hold my confusion with a, a loving awareness. And there I am um, giving myself that, um, that option. And it's been just really rich to see whatever I'm going through um, through that lens with that alive practice. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's us. Now, um, 
you. So just to uh, invite each of us to just go inside for a moment. And you don't have to be profound. Don't worry about, you know, you giving a Dharma talk on some, you know, brilliant insight that you're having. You let go of that. Just be yourself. And um, just reflect on what's happening in your life these days. Maybe you're going through a really beautiful, blessed period. Maybe you're going through a really hard time. Or maybe you're kind of flat and don't know quite where you are. Or maybe it's exciting and there's whole new possibilities and circumstances. Whatever you're going through, just reflect for a moment. What have you been learning in recent times? How are you growing What is life offering you that helps you see with a, a wise perspective uh, deepening your understanding and kindness? I'll just be quiet for a few moments and, and uh, give you a chance to reflect on that. When you take refuge in the Dharma, you're saying to life, I open up to whatever you have to teach me. How can I use these moments, this period, to keep growing and waking up? How's that happening for you? Sometimes it happens most when we're most humbled. Other times when we feel grace, what's it like for you? If you can, you could put it in just a few words, the, uh, the basic lessons that life is teaching you. See if you can you can do that inside. Okay, and now what uh, I thought we would do is uh, just invite you, if you feel up to it, to uh, turn to uh, one or two people near you and both um, witness them and, uh, and also let yourself be seen. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom in this room. How are you, how are you learning and what are you, uh, what are you growing in? We can. How are you growing? We can come back in a few minutes. We'll take about oh, five or six minutes for this, and then we'll come back. So, uh, please go 
Go ahead. Make sure each of you gets a chance, another, another couple of minutes. Okay, um, start, uh, thank your partners, and let's come on back. Okay, so you had a lot to say. Great to see that you can look at your life uh, this way. So we just have time for a couple of comments and uh, before we go, and maybe Andrew would. Thank you. Is this? Oh, there we go. Um, James, what you were talking about um, with um, the contracted states and trying to find a new pathway really um, resonates with what I I'm, I th- feel like I'm uh, kind of struggling with. Um, I've noticed as it's been kind of coming toward the winter, I, um, I have a tendency to get into a, a very reclusive sort of way and um, I can feel a lot of this sort of, I have sort of a tendency to these social anxieties where there's this fear and kind of a resistance to opening up and connecting with people and, but there's such a strong desire to, uh, you know, to work on that and it's just been really a struggle and I think that sort of the part when you were talking about that I I had a question on was, um, you know, when I'm noticing those states coming up and there's really this, you know, resistance to wanting to reach out to people or just sort of like this kind of wall of, um, you know, whatever it is. You know, I just I never really know whether I should try to, you know, either like verbalize something or connect with someone or if, you know, sitting with it is the skillful thing. I think I'm always kind of trying to find, you know, is there a more skillful way than the way I'm working with it? in the moment. I don't know if that's clear. Is it on? Uh, just briefly say, you know, there's no one right way. Uh, you know, just take take the pressure off of yourself. Oh, what's the Dharma way to do it? Am I doing it right or not? It's all an adventure. That's one of the things is, you know, just making your life like an adventure and see how it feels when you just no i do i just don't feel like stepping out i just and notice that oh this is what it feels like if i can be with myself in a very kind loving way and not judge myself for not coming out then great you can learn from that other times no let's just stretch myself see what it's like it, it, and and there's no there's no failing it's all an adventure so you just kind of see what will support me right now. What I, how can I grow in whatever I do? Then, um, then you can't lose. Then every moment counts. Thank you. It, and just to follow up on that, if um, just the the part of sitting with it and being there with that, you know, maybe choosing not to take more of an external action. Does that still? 
I don't know. What does that do? It, well, the, the, the idea is to, do, is to not, is to whatever you do, bring some kind awareness to your choice, which is very different than, come on, let's get over this. Just, okay, this is what I'm doing, and this is how I'm... And if you're interested and curious, the awareness itself is holding that whole response with some kindness. So it's just, what can I learn in this moment, whatever I do? And holding it with that loving presence, that kind of awareness. Okay. That's, well, actually, we're just noticing the time um, and that it's after time. <laughs> so we have to end. Um, I apologize for that. Sorry to, to, to end it right there. Uh, we do want to take a moment to dedicate the merit and offer metta. Um, and so this is a time to just reflect on our practice, not being just for the benefit of ourselves, <coughs> Even if we come here wanting the benefit for ourselves, um, this practice works in, in, in a way where when we are living through the Dharma, it has a ripple effect that affects our loved ones, the people we work with, the people we interact with. Um, it ripples out in ways that we may not even know. And so in that spirit... Um, we can offer the goodness, the benefits of this practice and this time shared here together to all beings everywhere. That it be for the benefit of all beings. And to uh, those in Ventura, California, who are experiencing the fire and the fire victims right now. This is a dedication to, to all of them. Um, may all beings be happy and find some contentment in their lives. May all beings be healthy in their mind and their body. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. And may all beings be free. May we all be free. Well, thank you for joining us this evening. Have a good good night. Good evening.